Psalm 107 is where we are. The 107th Psalm is we're going to look through this uh, passage and we're going to walk ourselves through the entire Psalm. I promise I won't keep you late, but we're going to walk ourselves through the entire Psalm. There are five groups of people found in this Psalm and you're going to find how great of a God we have as we walk through it. It starts out in verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Read the next line with me, please. For he is good. And we might add all the time on the end of that. God is good, right? And that's what we're going to look at, just how good God is to all groups of people. And I think you're going to find yourself in here at least once, maybe more than once, and recognizing the goodness of our God. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would uh, meet with us today. As we look at your word, you would open it up and help us to uh, see your goodness, that you would uh, have freedom in each heart to do a work that your Holy Spirit would uh, speak to our hearts and draw us to your side. God, I pray that you would encourage those who need it, convict those who, are, who need that, and Father, that the end result of this service would be that we have stepped our lives closer to you, and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In verse 2 it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I mean, God is good. Do you believe that? And if you're here this morning, you know Jesus Christ, your Savior. You're one of the redeemed of the Lord. You ought to then speak up. Let people know that we have a good God. And what we're going to do is look how God shows himself good over and over and over in our lives to a variety of, of people in this psalm. And I think probably to us just simply in a variety of ways uh, as we go through life. Take a look at the first section that we're going to look at verses four and five says they wandered in wilderness in the wilderness in a solitary way they found no city to dwell in hungry and thirsty their soul fainted in the first person the first people that god wants to show himself good to in this psalm are those and there might be some sitting here who just feel alone i mean you're in a city but you're finding no place in that city for you to dwell your soul has gotten to the place where you're fainting. I mean, you, you've just, life has been difficult for whatever reason. You know, they, they say that the loneliest person is the person who's lonely in a crowd. And I have to tell you, it'd be hard to be lonely at Southeast Baptist Tabernacle. We're friendly people. Uh, these people do such a good job of getting around and, in, and making you feel welcome, at least we hope, and introducing themselves. And if they haven't done so, then shame on you. And, and we'll make sure that we do that. Having said that, that doesn't mean that you're still not here in fact, some of the people who are actually here all the time, and you're a part of our church family, may still be coming to church and feeling very lonely. I don't know what life has given to you. I, I, was, I, I actually preached this message down in Pensacola, and of course, uh, this is the largest freshman class that they've ever had. It's a little over 1,000 freshmen. And uh, so, you know what? There are a lot of lonely kids there. But you know who else was lonely? Because I, I know, I take prayer requests, and these kids were coming up to me like crazy. You've got those seniors who thought that by this point in their lives, they would have met that special someone. And there were a whole bunch of those seniors, and they were lonely. And here they are sitting in this crowd of people, thousands of people around them, and feeling alone. Not feeling like they fit in. In a city, but not belonging and their soul is fainting. Can I introduce you to a God who if you are here this morning and you find yourself lonely and find yourself as if you are deserted and your soul is fainting, can I introduce you to a God who's good? Let's keep going. Look on verse 6. 
It says, then they, those lonely ones, they, those ones in the solitary way, those ones who are hungry and thirsty and their soul is fainting, they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way. That they might go into a city of habitation. They might find a place to belong. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. And for the wonderful works to the children of men. Why? Because look, for he satisfieth the longing soul. And filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Listen, if you're here this morning and you find yourself just alone in a crowd. If you're here this morning and your soul is hungry and thirsty and about to faint. If you're here this morning and you feel like you just don't fit in any place, can I invite you to call upon a God who is so good that he will fill your hungry and thirsty soul with goodness? A God that is so good that he will cause you to find that place where you belong, that city of habitation. That's the kind of God I want to show you this morning. Many of us have had times in our lives in which we were that lonely person, and we've known how this God of ours can step in and change that circumstance. But there may be many who are here, alone in the crowd. Would you, a fresh and new Christian, call upon God and find out how good he is? You know, that's not the end. God is good to every one of us. And let's take a look at the next section. Look at verse 10. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Why? being bound in affliction and iron. Why? Because they have rebelled against the words of God. I don't know, maybe I'm the only rebel in the crowd. I don't know. But there have been times in my life in which I have dared to shake my fist in the face of God and say, you can't make me. And I've dug my heels in, and I've been stubborn and rebellious. I've known what it's like to be bound by my sin, to have sin as if it were a shackle of iron, and I drag it around with me, and it's pulling me down, and I feel as if there's no way to escape it, and yet I'm reminded that God's word says that he hath with every temptation made a way of escape. This is the God that we have. Let's keep going. Look what it says. Because they're bound by this, they hate or they rebel against the words of God. They hate the counsel of the Most High. He brought them down in their heart with labor. They've fallen down and they look around and there is none to help. Anybody here feeling that way? You have shaken your fist in the face of God. And now the burden has gotten so great that it's driven you to the, to the floor. And you look around and it's like there's no one to help you. And sin has a bondage on your life. And affliction. And you're carrying it and dragging it with you. Look at what it says. Take a look at verse 13. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness and out of the shadow of death. And he broke the bands asunder. Can I introduce you to a God who is so good that when you and I have the audacity to rebel against him, we're saved, we're Christians, we're on our way to heaven. But somehow God gives us a command that we simply say, I will not do. Or God leads us to a circumstance that we look at God and say, I am not going to go through this. 
and we dig in our heels and the burden begins to crush us and we're bound by our own by the chains of our own making but what a good god we have that when we call upon him even as rebellious stubborn children of god we find a god who will break the bands asunder and a god who will take us out of the darkness and into the light and a god who will welcome us back into the fold Christian, are you finding yourself in a place here yet? Maybe you're here and you've never cr trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've sat in many a service and you sense the Holy Spirit of God wooing you and drawing you and saying you need to trust Christ as Savior and you have dug your heels and said, I will not be moved. Can I introduce you to a God who is so good that even when we're stubborn and rebellious, if we will call upon him, he will respond Oh, it says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Cut them in two. Can I introduce you to that good God? And if that were all that God would do for men, it's more than we deserve. But that's not where it stops. word fools you know what a fool is right the bible says a fool says in his heart there is no god it is when you and i live our lives as if we do not have a god to answer to as if god doesn't see what we're doing as if god doesn't hear what we say and we're living our lives as if we are free to do whatever we want with no consequence of a God who sees all, knows all. That's a fool. I don't know about you. I have played the role of a fool in my life. In fact, this may shock you, but in the time I've been your pastor, I have actually played the role of a fool. This is the God that we have. Fools, it says, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted their soul abhorreth all manner of meat. And here's the idea of this. You know, when someone who loves you enough, and you're in that foolish state of mind, who loves you enough to come along and give you the meat of the word of God, the truth that you need to hear. And when we say, I do not want to hear it. I'm not interested in what the Bible has to say. When that when we are at this stage in our lives, when we are being that kind of a fool, so much so that we abhor the meat that God wants to give us. Look what it says. And they draw near unto the gates of death. Verse 19. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. And he sent them word, and look what it says. I mean, here we are with these stubborn, wicked, how dare we? What is it? It's not working? All right, all right. These guys are waving at me saying, your microphone's not working, Pastor, stand still. All right, whatever. Now I can take it off. It doesn't matter. You'll hear me anyway. They just won't get able to record it, but I don't really care. I'm just talking to you. 
Um, whenever, you know, we become stubborn like this, and we're digging our heels in, and we're so foolish that when people that God sends our way, parents, grandparents, pastors, step in and try to encourage us to go a different direction, we say no. We call upon God, and God, not only does he save us out of our distresses, but here's how good God is. He fixes the mess that we've made. He heals us. Do we deserve this? Do we deserve for God to be so good to us? I mean, don't you think that if I have made a mess of my life, that God would have every right to look at me and say, you made your bed? Sleep in it. That's what I would be wanting to say. Aren't you glad I'm not God? I mean, that's the way I would be wanting to do. But our God is so good. That after time and time and time again, we have spit in his face. He still hears us when we cry. And saves us out of our distresses. And heals us. And it goes on to say, and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. And for the wonderful works, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Again, if God stopped there, he is a better God than we could ever deserve. But he doesn't stop. Go on to the next passage, verse 23. They that go down in the sea, to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, these see the great works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth them and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth the waves thereof. These people who are just simply going about life, not really thinking about God. They see the great works of God. What God is doing is apparent. By the way, did you notice the beautiful sunrise this morning? Well, maybe you weren't up for the sunrise, but you saw the sun shining. Did you notice anything beautiful on your way to church this morning? Has God already done some wonderfully good things for you today, like giving you air conditioning? When you walked in here, it was cold. I know. But it's not cold anymore. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing when you put 250 people in a room, it heats up. Wow. And now aren't you glad you've got air conditioning? I mean, God has been so good a time and time again. But these people, they just get busy about life. And they walk right past the great works that God is doing. And look what happens. Because life kind of catches them up and starts pushing them. And by the way, 21st century, don't you feel for these teenagers today? Man, those of us who are kind of on the other side, you know, we're going downhill. Aren't you glad you're not climbing the hill today? Oh, man. I tell you, these guys, these guys get up, and they hit the ground, and they sprint until they drop into bed. They're never given a break, ever. I mean, unless they force themselves to take a break. They carry these wonderful little things around with them. And there's never a moment's rest for their mind. It's amazing. There is a reality that we've got to come into grips with, those of us who get busy. And by, I, I live like this, by this just like everybody else. But when we get busy and we start missing out on what God's doing, here's a real truth that we've got to face. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. So if you kind of put this into this way of saying, in other words, unless we are still, we cannot know that he is God. 
God's talking to that group of people whose lives get so busy and they're out doing business and they're walking right past the things that God is doing. And look at what their lives look like. Keep reading. It says in, verse, in the next verse, they mount up to the heaven. They go up and down in the depths. Their soul melteth because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. They are at their wit's end. Is anybody here so tired of the busyness of life that you just about can't go any further? Is there anyone here who has just gotten so caught up in everything that life is throwing at you every moment of every hour of every day that you're reached, you've reached your wit's end and you've forgotten all the wonderful things that God is doing around you? Can I show you how good God is? Look at verse 28. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm. He brings to you, you and I a peace that passes understanding. So that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. You know where you find that quietness? Do you find the rest for your soul in the busyness of the 21st century? In our relationship with the God of heaven. Have you gotten so busy that you've forgotten to keep in touch with the Savior? Can I introduce you to a God who's so good that he takes busy people who walk right by when he does good things. They see the works of the Lord no longer paying attention but if you and I as those busy people will fall on our face and cry out unto God we have a God who's so good that he'll quiet our lives calm our souls and remind us of who he is he goes on to say then they are glad David put it this way restore unto me the joy of thy salvation have you lost your joy, Christian? Remember when you used to get up and it's like, oh, thank you, Lord, for another day? And then life got busy, and life got busy. And it became very easy to pass right by what God was doing. And now you're just tired. It's not that you wouldn't be thankful. You just don't have the energy to be thankful. You're just tired. And God says to that worn out, at wit's end, busy person, cry unto me. And I will quiet your soul, and I'll restore the gladness to your heart. I'll give you the rest that you're seeking for. Oh, that men, it says, would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And if these four groups of people, that lonely one, that rebellious one, that foolish one, that busy one, were the only one to whom God offered his goodness, it would be more than we deserve. But there's one more group. Look at what they are. Verse 39. Again, it says, circle that. This is like, this is not just a one-time event. It's again. They are minished and brought low through oppression and affliction and sorrow. 
This is when life just keeps slapping you upside the head. These other people, they might be just doing things on their own. They're not seeing God's work. They're rebelling against God. They're playing the part of a fool. But this is that person who's perhaps doing everything they can to walk close to God. And it's like every time they, they walk close to God, something comes along and just smacks them again. And life is just difficult. I mean, some of you have had trial after trial after trial physical problems and, and issues with finances and car wrecks and surgeries and all. I mean, I could keep going because these things are things that happened while I was gone, the three days that I was gone. It's amazing. And sometimes life just makes it difficult for us. And I love this one because it's an amazing thing. So can I show you how good God is? God does not even wait. For this person to cry out. Read the passage. When life has beat this person up. And he poureth contempt on princes and causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction. And he maketh them families like a flock. And the righteous shall see it and rejoice. And all iniquity shall stop him out. God steps into our lives sometimes even before we stop and ask and reminds us of just how good he is. Can I remind you that we have a good God? We have God that is so good. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. He has given you yet another opportunity to hear the gospel, to know that God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. That if you would believe, trust in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross would be the payment for your sins, that God will give you the wonderful gift of eternal life. That's how much God loves you. You know that God loves you so much that in spite of the fact that you've been rebellious and stubborn and arrogant and shaking your fist in the face of God, he's brought you to church this morning to remind you that his desire is to be good. That if you're lonely and hurting and feel like you don't fit in, there's a God who is ready to step into your life and bring you to that city of habitation. That when we're foolish and we're living our lives as if God doesn't see and God doesn't know, and like we don't have to answer to anything, that there's a patient God who could allow us to lay in the bed that we've made for ourselves, but is willing and faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That there's a God who when life gets busy and we get thrust into it and we're up and down and back and forth and we're just at our wit's end, there's a God who will step in and calm the storm. And when life just beats us up, there's a God who will love us through. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Can I take you back to verse 1 again? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please, for a moment.